This is HPR episode 2731 entitled My 8-Bit Christmas. It is hosted by Andrew Conway and is about 26 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, I got a new, old computer for Christmas, an Acorn BBC microcomputer model B. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello and welcome to another Hacker Public Radio episode with me, Andrew, also known as McNallu. You might recognise my voice from such podcasts as Tux Jam and the Duffercast. And you may remember it from a very long time ago in Hacker Public Radio because it's been too long since I've done my last show. Sorry, Ken. Well, I've been shamed after listening into the in the, the December uh, community roundup um, where... I didn't hear my name mentioned in the list of people who did shows in 2018. I fully intended to be in that list, but I never did it. So here I am. And what I'd like to talk to you about is my new computer. Well, my new old computer. Now, I got it for Christmas, and those of you who do listen to Tux Jam uh, might have heard a very implicit uh, plea for Mrs. McNallu to buy me this for Christmas, and she did. So Christmas came uh, true for me. Santa did his job. And in front of me, I have an Acorn BBC microcomputer Model B, just like the one that I had as a child. Now this one uh, was, I've dated it, but I've opened it, I've had to open it up, I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, it's dated back to December 1982, so it's quite an early model, an issue 3 motherboard. And uh, for people outside the UK, uh, this would be roughly comparable to a Commodore 64, but the sound isn't quite as good as that, um, but uh, in other respects, I think better. Uh, build quality certainly better than the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum, which I guess were its two main competitors back in the day. Um, and, uh, well, let me just give you a, a brief description of what it looks like. So it's big, actually. It's bigger than any of the other micros that were out at the time. Um, it's it's bigger, way bigger than my um, uh, Asus... Uh, 15 inch screen laptop um uh, it's um i guess it's sort of a f- sort of rectangular about 45 by 40 centimeters and about oh just under 10 centimeters tall maybe 8 centimeters um with lovely thick rubber feet that it, so it sits off the table let, let a bit of ventilation go in underneath it it's beige mainly beige colored it's, i don't know if this one's yellowed a bit probably has but it feels good quality. It's not that creaky, you know. It feels well put together. It's a textured surface. Its keyboard is probably the thing that shouts quality at you, because even today when I look at it, it looks brand new. Not a single letter 
is faded or, or, or partly worn away. Whereas a modern keyboard, typically, you'll start to see some of the most commonly used letters in the centre from where touch typists have been using it daily. You'll start to see them rubbing off, uh, you know, maybe after, you know, maybe a year of heavy use, uh, you can see uh, those keys being rubbed off. Not with the BBC, though. And it can and, and the keyboard as well, I should say, is, I think it's individual sprung switches. There's no membrane going on here. Um, so it feels a bit chunky if you're not used to it, but actually it just, again, oozes uh, a sort of kind of quality that you know, it comes back to me. Um, the keyboard layout is a bit is worth a mention too, because it's, it's the keys are all black, so a couple of grey ones, but except for the row along the top, which is nice bright red colour. These are the user function keys, numbered F0 to F9. It starts at zero, very very programmer oriented computer. It's got an escape key in the top left, but it doesn't just say, say ESC. It says escape the full letter. Um, and on the right, at the end of the row of function keys at the top, you've got the break key. And the interesting fact about the break key, that if you know any 6502 assembler, that's the microprocessor that sits at the heart of a BBC Micro, so it's more closely related to the Commodore 64, um, uh, which I think had a 6510 in it, which is, you know, they're similar, not the same. Um, but that break key actually sends the BRK in assembly instruction uh, or instruction number zero uh, to the processor. So it's quite a, a low line. You've got a key that sends a, a specific instruction and, and it resets the computer. That's a sort of soft reset. Um, so uh, now I should say a bit about what it was like, the unboxing of the computer. So I, I didn't see it before. I knew it was here, uh, but I didn't see it. And I opened up like a big kid uh, on Christmas Day. So anyone who's of my age, mid-40s, uh, in the UK will have grown up and seen these computers. Not so much at home, because they were fiendishly expensive. It was £399 uh, in 1982 money when it came out. I think actually it was priced lower than that, and they soon realised that they priced it too low, and they put it up to 399 which in today's money is about £1,200. So, oh uh, gosh, well, I guess, in, I don't know what the exchange rates are at the moment, but, you know, it's going to be, so mid so maybe $1,500, maybe a bit less than that, I don't know. Um, again, a little higher than 1200 euros, but yeah, exchange rate with the pounds aren't great at the moment, depending which way you're looking at it. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, I mean, if you think about it, this is, the cost of this for a home user was equivalent to a, a, fair, a pretty hefty gaming rig. So my gaming PC uh, was actually cheaper than this in real terms, if adjusting for inflation. So it was expensive. Um, and so, it, but it, the schools got a big discount. So in the UK, it was an educational thing. Every school, my school certainly had loads of them. Um, and you didn't see so many people have them at home. But my parents, being very into computers, wanted to get what they thought was the best from their point of view. And the BBC is the best in one regard, certainly. I mean, I, I would say you could, I don't, I, I'm not into the, the, the wars that go on. Um, but one thing the BBC really had going for it above build quality is, uh, is is it was very expandable. It's The reason it's got such a big case is because there's loads of ROMs you can put in it. There's loads of cables. So you can put a second processor and attach that to it. Um, the, 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 the hardware you could get, uh, I think it had double density, double double-sided disk drives. So even people who are programming um, on some technically superior machines like the Commodore 64 which had um, a slightly better processor uh, well it was a slower processor it was clocked at 1 megahertz BBC 6502 was at 2 megahertz but the reason I think that some people use the BBC to develop uh, for 
other uh, even slightly superior machines like the Commodore 64, as I was saying, has 64k of RAM, whereas this BBC only has 32k of RAM. 32k, can you believe it? Um, the reason they did that is because the BBC's peripherals, like the hard drive, the uh, disk drive, was better. You could get hard drive to the BBC, actually, um, but it was very rare. I never, never saw one uh, myself. Anyway, so um, the other thing that was great about the BBC is it had a fantastic user manual. In fact, I've still got my original user manual, even though I don't have the original BBC. And I've even got like, like this of advanced machine code manual that, are, that you had to buy separately. Uh, and they're great. They're extremely well uh, written. Um, I mean, amongst the best manuals I've ever seen. And one of the things it brilliantly described was the basic that came with the BBC Model B, which I think, to my mind, is it's the basic I. It's not the basic I learned first, but I think it is the best basic I've ever seen. And I think people are even still trying to keep it alive today in various forms. Um, it really was very good. And one great feature that it had is that you could switch to doing some assembly in the middle of your basic program and use basic as a kind of environment to do two-pass assembly and other things. Now, I don't want to get into such details uh, here. Anyway, I think I was going to tell you about uh, yeah, my unboxing of it. So I excitingly opened it on Christmas Day of 2018 and I uh, took it out and uh, went off and filmed this old uh, flat screen television. I don't have any CRTs left and frankly I'm trying to cut down on the amount of um, stuff cluttering up the space in my house so uh, I'm not likely to get a CRT. But this little flat panel screen, I guess it's a 14-15 inch, it's very small uh, 10 years old maybe it says Luxor on it and it's a terrible brand in many ways, but it has lots of old connections. So I've got uh, the guy who um, sold it to my wife over eBay, uh, uh, Retrofix UK, I think off the top of my head. I'll put the correct link in the show notes, because I think this person, as you'll see, deserves some credit. Uh, had, everything was nicely wrapped up, and, and he'd, 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 he'd recapped the power supply and any other capacitors that were needing changed, um, and he put a new... Um, uh, power flex and cable on it because yeah you don't want 36 year old uh, uh, mains cables in your house do you and uh, and uh, and it was all spotlessly clean you know uh, and he provided a RGB DIN plug that goes in the back of the BBC to SCART which goes in well not modern tellies my two newest televisions can't take it but uh, but slightly older flat screen televisions have SCART on them you, you could use the UHF aerial out but picture quality is terrible and that's the first thing I'd really like to say is hats off to the BBC I mean the RGB the the text when after you've um, switched it on you see BBC computer 32k wow <laughs> well I say wow not it and it says turbo MMC which is a disk drive it's got in it which I'll come back to basic that's the language and then there's a little um, close ankle bracket type a greater than sign a prompt and a little flashing cursor now that text is crystal clear. I'm not kidding you. It's absolutely perfectly clear. I, I can't actually believe uh, how good it is because I never saw that. I used an old Bang and Olufsen valve television, which was quite big. I think it was 28 inch. My dad loved to collect them and he'd break and he'd fix them. And so, so I, I had a big screen, but uh, the, the UF, the UFH, UHF um, aerial lead uh, did a lot of damage to the picture quality and. Uh, the highest resolution mode 
BBC could do, which I think 640 by 480 with just black and white, or well, well two colours, it could be any two colours, um, that was unusable pr pretty much for text anyway uh, back then. But now if I type, go into that mode, it's called mode zero, type mode zero, I don't know if you can hear the keyboard, uh, nice, slightly squeakiness to the keys. I've typed mode zero and it's, it's just perfect, you know, for this little flat screen monitor sat on top of the BBC, because you're not supposed to put CRT monitors on top of the BBC case, strong as it is, but this little flat screen monitor is, you know, 15 inch. It's perfect. And it's, it's great. So I've got 80 columns of uh, text to work with, which is, you know, what you'd want. And I think uh, 40 lines, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 9, I think 40, yeah, I think 40 vertical lines. Anyway, plenty for doing a little bit of programming. Anyway, so um, that's not the first thing I did with it. When I got it, I remembered, you know, the muscle memory comes back, you press and hold shift and hit the brake key, and it reboots the machine and loads up the disk. But there's no disk drive here, there's no tape. I had I started with a tape and then upgraded to a disk drive later, back in the 80s. So when I do shift brake now, it reboots the machine and loads up um, uh, something off the disk automatically. And this uh, is happening because inside the machine is what's called the Turbo MMC, which is kind of like, you know, SD card kind of thing. It's MMC, obviously, card. Um, and that's sitting inside with a, a new sort of ROM, EEPROM thing plugged into one of the ROM sockets, and it's fooling the BBC into thinking that there's a disk drive in there. And I think, currently, I've got 268 disks um uh, loaded up, and I I can change disks at just like a you know a quick command, a very short command, um, star din space um, uh, slot number space disk number. You know, we'll put it. Uh, it will give me access to a, a disk. It's that simple. But even more simply, if when I do shift break, it just gives me this huge menu of games. Pretty much every game I could ever remember, not just playing or owning. Or having a pirated copy of, not that I would do that, of course. Um, every game I can think of, and every game I've heard of, is here. I think I found one or two bits of educational software, which I think have been withheld for copyright reasons. Um, but all the games that I can think of are there. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, and let's see, let's see. I'll go quickly find one, uh, just so you. Uh, uh, can can hear what the sound might be like. Uh, yes, this one. I think this is a good one. Um, of course, it's incredibly fast as well. I mean, compared to tape, tape took ages, but even compared to the, the original disk drive, there's no mechanical weight. Recognize anyone? Recognize that? That's the game Frack. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if you could hear how well you could hear that, but well, I'll stop that now. Press break. Um, so yeah, so I spent a little bit of Christmas morning playing uh, these old games and having a whale of a time um, until I was dragged away and had to be sociable uh, with family. And then I didn't get back till quite late in Boxing Day. I think I had a quick go in the BBC in the evening, and then woke up excitedly in Boxing Day and decided to get my old joystick because although I don't have my old BBC, I still have the old analog joystick that I used to play. Elite on an Elite's amongst those games, and well, my joystick was broken, so it needed some fixing. So I was fixing it and testing it, and while I was testing it, I uh, had to power off the BBC for a bit to do something. The BBC for a bit to do something, I forget what. And when I turned it on, no beep, in fact, no lights, no little LED caps lock LED, nothing. 
and um, I opened up the BBC to have a look and, um, well, to cut a long story short, uh, I determined there was no power getting to the motherboard at all. I don't really know much about BBC, so I was very tentative uh, when I looked inside it. But my meters revealed that there was zero power going to it. There should have been five volts at various places. There was nothing. Um, and then I contacted the guy that my wife bought it off. This is unboxing day. And he replied immediately and gave me some pointers of what to look for. Um, and in the meantime, I was poking around and I found that there was a fuse inside the case. Obviously, I checked the fuse in the mains plug. And then in the power supply, which I removed... Um, I looked at the, there was a little fuse tucked away underneath the power switch inside it. And I went, oh. And so I tried to prise it out to have a look at so I could test it. Um, and uh, to my surprise, out came like a little metal end cap of the fuse and there was a crunching of, me- of glass. I thought, oh, oh no, I've broken this old fuse. Or did I break it? Now, it's a two amp fuse, so I happened by luck to have one lying around. So I put one in uh, with the power supply disconnected from the BBC now. Uh, and uh, switched it on, and kaboom, there was a flash and an explosion as <laughs> the fuse exploded in my face. So this uh, didn't hurt me, I should say. didn't actually blow up in my face. Uh, no metal, uh, no shards of glass uh, hit me anyway. But it was quite spectacular, I have to say. A puff of smoke and everything. Um, so I, um, I relayed this back to uh, the chap that I bought it from, and uh, again, he was... He said, oh, that's unusual. But he, but he said, look, best send me the power supply and I'll either fix it or send you a new one. Um, and I did a bit more research and said to him, look, you know what I think? I bet you it's the, the bridge rectifier. It has essentially diodes in it. And uh, I reckon when I didn't test it, but I just thought that, you know, it seemed to be contained very close to the mains side of things. I thought, mm, I bet you that fuse is blown because there's been a short, one of the dials has failed in the bridge rectifier and there's current where there should not be a current. And uh, indeed, uh, he um, he received the power supply a few days later, found that it was the bridge rectifier that had blown and uh, by just when I, I was away for New Year, when I came back first thing I received New Year in the post was a brand new power supply and Fingers crossed, the BBC has worked perfectly ever since. Now, I have to say, I'm hats off to the guy uh, for giving me such good feedback, especially over the festive, festive season. Um, thoroughly recommend if you want to buy BBC stuff off. I mean, he does Spectrum stuff. I guess it's it's in the UK, but maybe he does uh, deal orders with, with the UK. I, you'd have to check. Um, but, uh, yeah, excellent service there. And, uh, you know... When you take on an old computer like this, it's going to go wrong. It's 36 years old. Um, uh, but I'm quite thankful it was just the power supply that went, because that's probably one of the most fixable things. You know, what if one of the integrated circuits chips goes, ooh, you know, they don't make them anymore, so you'd have to ha- either get an old salvage replacement or rely on a slight variant. And there's, you know, a 6502A processor that can run at 2 megahertz. Well... I understand that if you can buy them quite cheaply on eBay, but you might not get, it might say 6502A on it, but it might not run at 2 megahertz because it, it might be a rebadged 6502. Anyway, I digress. So, um, yeah, so I, the last thing I'd like to talk about is, uh, in this episode at least, is uh, I took it out for a wee spell programming. So I did a little bit of basic, which came back to me quite fast. I mean, I... I even did find 
that I was sitting there thinking, well, how do I how do I do an LS on the disc? You know, find a, you know, and then, oh yes, it's Star Dot, which is a, a which is shorthand for Star Cat, you know, which sort of catalogue. And that was another nice thing about the BBC is if you could always reduce any command down to the smallest number of letters that made it unique. So star uh, stars an asterisk star delete space file name would delete a file but you could do star del dot and some of the most common commands like list to list a basic program you could just do l dot you know so that actually is quite a time saver you know and I, and I soon got back into the habit of using those abbreviations and you could use that with keywords inside basic so instead of next and a for next loop in basic you could just type n dot you know so it was, I think it was a bit of an answer to the zx spectrum having the you know, it had the full print command on the P key, for instance. You hit P, I think, in the right circumstances, and print would come out. So it was kind of, I think it's actually, to my mind, and obviously I'm biased towards the BBC, I think that's the BBC system is, is a better way of doing it. Um, another thing I then I was really keen to do, and I never really got to grips with the BBC, was do, you know, I'd like to go and explore the 6502 assembler because, uh, you know, with an 8-bit micro, you can really get to know the hardware and interact with it fairly low level through the uh, through the assembler. Uh, and the BBC comes with its built-in assembler, as I said, in the basic. Um, so uh, so I wrote a little code to do bouncing balls and, you know, very simple arithmetic as well, flood fill the screen. And, you know, I, I'm impressed at how fast the... You know, I, you know, after about a day or two of uh, re-educating myself, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was producing fast machine code graphics and was getting the assembler right almost first time. You know, with occasional error, um, and it's quite forgiving because the reason it's forgiving is as simple as that: I can save quickly. I can create disk virtual disks in this Turbo MMC very quickly, so I can save my progress. But also, the nice thing is the break key when you hit break. I say you, you write assembler and you inadvertently write completely to the wrong bit of memory and trash a bit of memory that's important, locking up the BBC. In almost all circumstances, you hit the break key, that soft reset will clear it. And this is the magic bit. You type in a command OLD old and it will reload. It will remember all the everything that you were doing just before the catastrophe occurred. So you don't even need to restart the machine, do a hard reset. You can do a control break, which is a slightly harder reset. And then, of course, you can power cycle it um, and then load the program off the disk again. Um, so, you know, that makes the... when, when, when and, then, and the restart of a computer of this era is instant. You know, it's as fast, it's, it's as, fast as beep, beep that you heard at the start. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going back to a previous era of um, coding uh, where, yes, your resources were light tightly limited. You had only 32k. In fact, you don't even get 32k because some of it was eaten up by the, the screen memory. Um, so in some cases, uh, in the highest resolution mode, or the mode, with, the mode that had 16 colours, uh, I think you only have 10k of memory left over after all that to actually write a programme, which seems like nothing. But on the plus side, it was very fast and easy to programme for because you could recover from your mistakes quickly. Um, um, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, it was very rare that an utter catastrophe did occur, to be honest. It's quite, um, you know, crashes, are, outright crashes are quite rare. Uh, now, the other thing I, I think was a, a lovely system that they had is there's no copy and paste, obviously, cause, and there's no mouse. It's all command line, you know, text driven. 
But there are cursor keys, and what you can do is if you press a cursor key while you're writing a, a basic program, uh, and I think this applies actually outside basic and just running system commands, you can press like uh, the cursor keys, navigate, and the cursor splits into a big block cursor remains on the command prompt, and then a flashing underscore cursor uh, can then be moved around the screen. So I can move up here to where it says, for example, basic, and I can hit the copy key, uh, when the the movable cursor is under B, and it produces B in the command line. So you can see that, uh, I can, I've copied the word basic here, of course, so it's not going to like that, but say I want I type in a long command, uh, rather than pressing the up key as you would do in a modern terminal to, in, in a Unixy environment, you press the up key, and then you press the copy key to copy anything else that's on the screen. So that's a great way of um, editing a line in a program, or moving a line, you just copy the line of your basic program, including the line number, and then you just change the line number, and then that will copy the line. You might have to remove the original line if, if, it, if it's a copy paste rather than a, or sorry, a cut paste rather than a copy paste. But that cursor key copy with a delete button is incredibly powerful and convenient, uh, for, you know, in this era. And another thing I found myself doing after coding in assembler for a while, I became much more careful with what I was typing. Because I didn't want, because I had no up key to go back and edit. I had no easy, the copy and paste is there, but it's not quite as convenient. I have to say, it's made me a better coder on modern machines because I'm now taking, going back to taking more care on uh, the command line again. Um, so at the moment, it's, I'll be honest, it's just a toy. Um, but it's, I think, uh, you know, as I say, it's reminded me of, of a slower way of using a computer. And not necessarily slower in a bad way. There's some lessons, I think, that, that us modern uh, users of computers, we could, we could we could do better in our typing and uh, command line usage uh, by slowing down a bit. Uh, maybe some people are more careful than me, but I, I feel like I've got into a bad habit of rushing too much and, you know, I'm typing, I type it out and I have to go back and edit and, you know, all these things that modern devices make so easy, you know, they try and babysit you. You don't get any of that in BBC. There's no com command completion. There's no command history. None of that. So I think I'll leave it there. Um, if people are interested, I could talk a little bit more about 6502 programming, because that's obviously relevant beyond just the BBC Micro. I mean, 6502, as I say, is common to Commodore uh, and uh, some other machines. I think it was using arcade uh, games uh, as well. I think 6502, wasn't it? Um, another thing, I, I, a little project, is the fixing my old analog joystick. I managed to fix it, um, and it's delightfully simple. Uh, I might if there's interest, I might, or if I'm interested, I might just do an episode uh, on that. And um, and who knows, the BBC might fail again and I might have to do some surgery on it. So maybe, I hope I don't have to do an episode on that too soon. But I think, well, with 36-year-old complex electronics, at least complex for the day, it's inevitable something's going to go wrong. But fingers crossed, not too soon. Well, thank you for listening and I shall maybe do some more shows in the future. Um, until then, please consider doing an HPR show about your experiences with your first computer, perhaps, or indeed anything else that you wish to talk about. Bye-bye for now. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. 
We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Heka Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you.